I've been coming to River Rock for about four years now. Um, our family has seen a lot of changes, a lot of transitions over that time. Uh, about a year ago, my wife stopped working. She's staying home. We started doing foster care and um, went on the mission trips. And, and God has really been a, doing a lot of work in our lives since we started coming to River Rock. And, and so just like Stephen mentioned earlier, I just kind of wanted to point your attention to those next steps. You know, we see on the back of that connection card, we have these next steps and we have these boxes that we can check. And, and you know, sometimes those next steps, uh, they don't fit in those boxes. Sometimes they, they may look a little bit different. And so I just want to encourage you that um, right down there where it says prayer request comments, you can always add your, your next steps in right there so that we can walk with you in your journey. Um, again, I've been coming here for about four years, uh, just started as an elder and super excited about that. Just love being a part of this church and, and serving you guys. Um, but I just want to say a couple months back, a couple months back, I, I really felt that God was, was uh, working in my heart to, to go into ministry. And I really don't know what that means. I don't know if it's church planning if it's, you know, if it's missions work or, or something to do with foster care. But I just know that, that I have to take those next steps. And so um, you're all a bunch of guinea pigs. Uh, it's kind of crazy. It's an experiment, and we're going to give this a try. Um, so, yeah, as we take those next steps, sometimes we, we struggle to take those, and sometimes we go the opposite way. And so if you've ever experienced that, um, you're in good company. I've experienced that as well. Um, and as we look at today, I just kind of want to show you how we can... Sorry, I'm, I'm obviously a little bit nervous. Uh, uh, news alert. Yeah. Um, You know, that, that's really what today is about, is, is um, I want to share with you some of my struggles. And, and in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul, Paul shares that, that we're going to suffer, we're going to struggle, and uh, that as we, we go through those struggles, that God is going to bring his comfort to us. And he does that so that we can also comfort comfort others and be there for them with that same comfort. And so um, that's really what today is. I want to share with you some of my struggles in the hopes that you realize you're not alone. I, I think that a lot of times we see other people taking next steps and we feel like, man, they, they just take those and they keep going. It seems so easy. Um, but I think if we're, if we're going to be honest, if you want to walk by faith, then you're taking one step into, into a very dark place and you're stepping in your inadequacy because truly we can't walk by faith in our own strength. And so if we're believing that all these other people are awesome and that, that I just can't get this thing figured out, um, that's a lie. And, and so I, that's, that's why I'm here. I want to share with you. So again, like I mentioned a couple months ago, I, I felt the call uh, to ministry. And 
I just want to share with you what I wrote. Uh, God has given me many victories over the past two years, working with and coming to grips with parts of my past. He's given me a vision and a heart to help those with a traumatic past and foster care. Um, and my wife and I, we are attempting to live life in a God-centered way. One thing I still struggle with on a regular is inadequacy. Um, believing that I'm good enough. You see, when I, when I think this way, I'm focused on me and what I can do or accomplish. You see, my, my desire um, as a believer, I want to be used by God in such a way that it would require him to act. It would require him to step in. So that's the only way that you could describe it, is that God stepped in. By definition, I'm inadequate. If he, if I am dependent on him to act, I am inadequate. And so when we step into that, it's, it's this weird place where you have to step into that, that inadequacy, and, and it's okay. Um, but it's kind of like this big loop that I go through of, of failure, shame, inadequacy, remembering my past, and then cowering, paralyzed, and freer so that I never step out. How many steps have I not taken because I listen to the fear? And that's it. To listen to God's direction and to follow his vision for my life, I must be dependent on him. To see my insufficiency is a first step to realizing and depending on the sufficiency of God. In fact, um, one second. Is it not the grace of God that reveals my shortcomings? Not to shame, but to motivate me to press into him and to nobody else. He will supply the direction, the motivation, the desire, the will, the words, and the action. He is the all-sufficient God who gives freely to those who will call on him for help to display his glory. And so, again, that's what, that's what I'm doing today is I'm taking that step in inadequacy. You see my fear and my worry, and that's okay. Because ultimately, I want God to get that glory. And so, again, taking that step, expecting that he's going to meet me here. Can, can we just pray real quick for the message? Dear God, I, just, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this opportunity, and I just, um, I thank you for the work that you've done in, in our hearts and the work that you're doing here at River Rock. I just pray that you continue to show your power and your presence here, continue to use your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 3. Um, we're pretty familiar with the Corinthians since we're going through a series on 1 Corinthians right now. Um, but in 2 Corinthians, a little bit different. He's not going to be coming down on them because of their sin or they're confused on who they're supposed to be following. Rather, um, so far, he's just talking about his journey, uh, how God is using him and directing him 
And in chapter three, he's going to kind of confront them on the fact that they're, they're kind of getting mixed up in some false doctrine. There's these false teachers that are coming in called the Judaizers, and they're basically saying yes to Jesus, but you have to start doing all this other stuff. You got to keep some of the law and, you know, do that. And so um, he's going to kind of come against that and explain that, that um, you know, we passed the old covenant and we're in the new covenant. And, and things, things are very different. As you go to the end of the chapter in verse 18, uh, we're going to see that we will be transformed to be competent ministers of the gospel as we behold or look to the glory of God. And if you, if you walk away with one thing today, that, that's what I would hope that you would walk away with, is that our motivation for living for God should come from the glory of God. That that is, that is where we stay and that is our motivation. Because as believers, we desire to walk confidently, uh, to continue to grow in our knowledge and our relationship with the Lord and to share our faith boldly. But as I shared earlier, we struggle. It's, it's not always that easy. And so... Um, I want to share with you how to take those next steps and, and what are some of the barriers that are keeping us from taking those next steps. So if you would, with me, uh, we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. should be up there. Such is the confidence we have through Christ before God. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything, as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And again, Paul is very uh, forward with the Corinthians. Uh, in fact, I think they might be confused of, of his... Uh, confidence that he comes with, and they might think that he's being arrogant or prideful, but he's saying, no, no, I need you to see in verse 5, it's not that we are competent, but it is ourselves to claim anything is coming from ourselves, sorry, but our adequacy is from God. And, and I would think that we would all look back in church history and say, you know, if there's a man that's competent in the gospel, that could be, that could be an able preacher, it would be Paul. But he says that he's got nothing to offer, that his adequacy comes from God. And so I, I think that's, that's good news, right? Um, so just like Paul, we have to put our trust that the Spirit of God will make us competent ministers of God. You see, Paul is putting his trust and his confidence in God's words and if I'm being honest, sometimes I do that. But a lot of the times I, I kind of waffle between these misaligned confidence. From misaligned confidence, it's, it's going to be very similar to a car, right, that's it's out of alignment. You know, when it's out of alignment, you take your hands off the wheel and it kind of veers off to the left side or to the right. And when it veers off to the left, you know, it's kind of like a lack of confidence or shame, and it veers off to the right, maybe we're overconfident or prideful. So to walk in shame 
is when we hear the calling of God, but we allow our past failures and then our current feeling of inadequacy to keep us from moving forward and living the life that God has for us. And if we walk in our overconfidence, it is not that we're not really interested in kind of what God has to say because we're going to figure this out, right? Um, I'm just kind of good at this. Um, it comes natural to me. It'll be easier this way if I do it. And so in doing so, we don't really need the Spirit. So we think, uh, we'll, just, we'll just do it. And so either direction you veer off to, you put more trust in your own abilities or lack thereof than you do in the Spirit of God. We see that we walk by faith. To walk by faith can only be achieved by the Spirit. Paul can only do it because the Spirit of God is giving him that strength. How can we walk in this confidence when we put more trust in our words, in our words, over the words of God? A lot of times I put more trust in the thought process that I've been hearing, you know, uh, the arguments in my head. And I put more trust in that than I do the Word of God. How can we be confident ministers of the gospel when we believe that our inadequacy is more powerful than the, than the adequacy of God? And see, we put ourselves above God as if we are more powerful. I don't know if, if you feel the same way, but, but for me, it's time that I start trusting the infinite God and his words over ours. It's time that, that we identify the pride and the shame in, my, in our lives Identify them as the lies that they are and start believing what God says. I think as Christians, we would all say that we believe the word of God, but do we believe these words? Do you believe that that the spirit will make you a competent minister of the gospel? Do you believe that that these words are just as powerful today as they were 2000 years ago? We are what's in the way. The words of God, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It's living and active. It's eternal. And it gives life. If we start believing God at his word, he will give us victory over our pride and our shame. And he will empower us to be competent and confident ministers of the gospel. Every one of us. I mean, that's, that's what it says, right? The Spirit makes us competent. Do we believe those words? And that's, that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. But we can see that it's, it's really easy to put our confidence in the wrong things. But the next question is, why is it that we settle for a form of Christianity that looks the part but it's lacking in power. It looks the part, but it's lacking in the power that comes from an authentic relationship from God. Let's pick back up in, in the text here and, and start up in 7. Um, 
And we're just going to compare the differences in the old and the new covenants and how there, there really is no comparison. Now, if the ministry that brought death chiseled in letters of stone came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glory, glorious by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For what if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. As I mentioned earlier, the the Judaizers are, are adding to the gospel. They're living in their works instead of resting in the grace of God. Paul's addressing this and and just the stark differences and how we have such a greater uh, promise in, in the gospel, but yet we tend to just go back to, all, to the old covenant, to our, to our works and what makes us look the part. We see in the Old Testament how the Israelites would rather deal with Moses than, than to really talk to God. They've seen God do some pretty amazing and powerful things. And basically, they're like, uh, hey, Mo, would you mind just, just talking to God? I mean, he's kind of intense. You know, he's done some pretty amazing things. And it would just be better if you talk to him and then maybe just relate it to us. But, but rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And that's what we see all throughout the Old Testament. It's just this back and forth from the people of God running away from God. And, and that brings us to our next barrier and, and why this doesn't work, but it's counterfeit Christianity. We can look the part, but it's counterfeit. We settle for the rules of a good Christian. And we miss out on the authentic relationship with God. A lot of us are living in this old covenant today, right? We, we tend to, to add things in. We have little marks of a good Christian. And, you know, I go to Bible study and, and I go to church and I, I pray, I give, uh, I'm nice, right? I smile, I'm more moral, uh, but here's the thing. If we believe that these things make God more pleased with us, or that we are more accepted with God, by God, then we're finding our confidence in our works and not in the power of God. God didn't save us so that we could be more moral or live better lives. No, he saved us equipped us, and he told us to go tell others of his saving grace, right? Why are we doing this? Now, we don't do this so that we can look better, so that we could clean ourselves up. We do this because we have been saved, because we have, God has changed us from who we, wa- who we once were into where, where we're going, 
And I think that's, that's probably one of my biggest struggles, you know. We, we try to play the part, want to look good uh, in front of others. We want to say the right words and, and quote the right scriptures. Um, but God sees it all. We also see that we have that tendency to have that misaligned confidence, putting our trust in our works over, over what God is doing. And, and as these two kind of build on one another, they create the third barrier. And we're going we're gonna to see that in verses 12 through 18 here. Um, Since then, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily into the end of the glory of what was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. For to this day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. It's still today whenever Moses read, a veil lies over their hearts But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, whenever we believe in our works and put our confidence in ourselves, then we're stripping the gospel, the power in our lives. And that's exactly what the Israelites did with Moses. They started doing the law and putting their trust in their own abilities. And then finally God's like, hey, I I need you guys to go do this for me. They're like, are you serious? I mean, you see everything that we do? Um... We're keeping all your rules. We're making your sacrifices. You want us to go do more? I kind of feel like that's, at least that's what, what I enter into sometimes. I think that's the third barrier, which is complacency. Complacency is showing smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievement. Finding satisfaction in yourself or your achievement. Again, it's misaligned confidence and a counterfeit relationship that is based on our own righteousness. I feel like today we're similar. It sounds a little bit different. We say, isn't Sunday enough? One service, that's enough. 10%, that's enough. 10 minutes in the morning with God, that is plenty, right? Do I really need to go talk to that guy over there or help them out? I mean, I'm just doing so much already. I feel, I feel complacent. Instead, we ask things like, how is, how's God going to serve me, make me better, clean me up, get my act together, right? Isn't that what we do? We, we look at Say, how, how am I going to clean this up and, and look better, be more moral? But I think that Paul had a different version of the gospel. I think he saw it differently to a much grander scale. And so again, if, 
If you only walk away with one thing, let's walk away with this. Our all-sufficient God who needs nothing chose to create this world to put his love on display. You see, the cross of Christ was the plan. God sending his son to the world to die was the plan before the foundation of the world. Jesus left his throne to come be with us. He became a refugee, homeless. He was hungry. He was weak. He was tested, tried, and never found wanting. He was despised, rejected, and ultimately crucified for our sins. It was only by the blood of Christ that the perfect judgment of God was satisfied. He rose the third day. He was with his disciples for over 40, seen by over 500. He sits on the right hand of God now, holding the keys to eternal life and is willing to give it to anyone who would receive him. You know, we have sinned and are deserving of death. And while we were sinners, he died for us. He makes a way. He calls it grace. It's not by our works. It's a free gift. And if I were to stop there, that would be amazing. You'd say, wow, God sent his son to die on the cross for my sins so that I don't have to go to hell and pay for my, pay for my sins. He took that payment for me. And if I stop there, that is good news. But, but it keeps going. See, The gospel is overwhelming and it's far-reaching. It's not just this one thing. It says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God are yes in Christ. Forgiveness and deliverance. He will never leave you or forsake you. He'll give you rest. He'll draw near to you. He will satisfy you with living water. He will... He will give you wisdom, grace, and mercy, direction on how you're to live your life for his glory. He gives you the Holy Spirit, comfort, the words to say, new heart, new motivation. In fact, in Philippians 4.19, it says that he will give you all of your needs. He will supply all of your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You see, the gospel is far greater than what we make it out to be. Not only did he die on the cross for our sins so that we don't have to go to hell, but all the promises are yes in Christ. All the promises are yes in Christ. And if I were to stop there, that would be good. But it continues. It continues. You see, God says that because we have put our trust in him, that now we are the adopted sons and daughters of God. We walk out of the courtroom with him as our judge, and we walk into the home with him as our father. He looks at us with kind eyes and a gentle touch. He guides us, and he loves us, and he cares for us. We are accepted and loved. We're set free. He's made us overcomers. He's transforming us. He calls us holy and righteous. We're image bearers and ambassadors. We're disciple makers. And by the word of God, we are competent ministers of the gospel. 
Do you believe the words of God? And Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us hold fast, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Like I said, if I were to stop there, that would be good news. But that's still not the entire part gospel. Not only does he forgive us of our sins and, and give us right standing with God, not only does he make us right and, and give us all these promises, now he calls us sons and daughters. That's still not it. We will be changed. We're going to be given new bodies. We're going to be given an inheritance. We're going to be in a community with God, the only one that truly satisfies. You see, He will reveal His inexhaustible glory to us for all of eternity. The gospel of God is overwhelming. It's not just this one moment in your life. It is the power of God. I think Paul grasp that. I think he, he tasted that a little bit more. Let's, let's be in awe of who God is. What God has done and is doing. And let's toss aside that complacency. What we've done pales, Right? It's tossed aside our complacency, our works, and our misaligned confidence. And so, in light of, uh, of the gospel, I just want to read verses 12, 13, 18 again real quick. Since then, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face. Verse 18, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. And that's it. Whenever you look in the mirror, you see a reflection of yourself. And, and here it's saying that, that we behold the glory of God. We look as in a mirror, but when we look at it, we will be changed. We will not be able to stay the same. It will happen. We will be transformed. I feel like we work and we try so hard to change and to get better and to look better when the answer is here. Behold the glory of God. Look at everything that he has done and is doing. Stay there. And out of that, it says in in chapter 5 here that the love of Christ compels us. It's because of this that we move. It's because of this that we go and we tell. It's because of this that we serve and we give that 10%. It's because of this that we give 100% and nothing less. So that's, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it to everything, right? Behold the glory of God. 
I don't, I don't know where you're at today, but, but I know that we all have next steps. And so that's my challenge to you is what is your next step? Maybe you've never put your trust in, in Jesus. You've never accepted him into your life. Maybe today is that day. If he is working in your heart, answer him. Uh, maybe your next step is that, that, you know, you're complacent. You're in the routine of Christianity. You're following the rules, but you're not really interested in surrendering your whole life to God. Maybe a day you need to tell somebody. Pray with somebody. Ask God to help you take those next steps in your inadequacy. I mean, that's faith. If we knew we could do it and we knew where to go, we wouldn't need God to act, would we? Or maybe we need a realignment. You know, we, we talk a lot about Matthew 28, where it says to go into all the world. And, and these are very good words, but we tend to, to skip over Acts 1 and 2, where Jesus told them to wait. Wait for my Holy Spirit to come on you and to give you the power to speak to go and to be my disciples. And as believers, we've already received that spirit, but maybe we just need to realign. Ask God what his plan is and his purpose is and how he could best use us. And so, as uh, Stephen and the team come back up, uh, Let's just spend this time together uh, in reflection in beholding the glory of God. Seeing the gospel not just as this moment in time, one time when I got saved, but as this redemptive story that we get to go be back with God one day. Everything that he has done and Everything that we do just pales and is silly to compare.